Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Gene Otto and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. A top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He is on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. Thank you, Jeffrey. You're welcome. As you put it out there, very qualified to talk about sports. Mm, yes, of course. From that from that introduction. Um, and usually it's Friday, and so what we do on Fridays is we talk about what are we going to be talking about. Now, it's a little strange today because obviously Memphis is at the center of a national news story today, and what are we going to be talking about? You know, other people will be talking about other stuff, but I... I don't know. I kind of look at it as part of our job, Jeffrey, Mm -hmm. in moments like this is to talk about sports because that's what we're qualified to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully we're not talking about anything that happens tonight when we get out of the weekend. I I think the only thing I'll say on this is I hope all of the talk about worst-case scenario, I hope it's all overblown. I hope we're still talking about Tyree Nichols when we come out of the weekend, but I just don't want us to be talking about – I want Memphis to not be – at the uh, center of this type of national news story. I hope the national news continues to chronicle this, but in terms of, like, predicting whether there's going to be riots, I hope that type of coverage is over (laughs) by the time we get back from the weekend. It is weird, like, to... Like, I feel like people are, like... There's, like, a point spread on whether or not there's going to be a riot. That's that's very odd to me. Nationally, it feels like that somewhat. Um, And so hopefully, you know, the video is going to be released later today, this evening, a few hours from now. And, you know, it's going to be disturbing based on conversations I've had with people who have actually seen it already. Uh, But and based on what Tyree Nichols family said. But, you know, um, hopefully it it sparks change. And and that's that's what we uh, that's what we're all hoping for here. But I think part of getting the attention, Jeffrey, off of, you know, sort of what you put, as you put it, the the almost like predicting whether yeah. something's going to happen is to talk about what we know is going to happen this weekend in the sports world. Like, that's what, that's what, let's let's divert some attention off of uh, some of the negative aspects of this in terms of the portrayal of uh, Memphis. So w- we're going to start today's show off with what are we going to be talking about coming out of the weekend. We're going to talk about the Grizzlies. They play tonight in Minnesota. Um, on a four-game losing streak. I had to look it up before the show, Jeffrey, how long it's been since the Grizzlies have been on a four-game losing streak and how long it's been if they if, since a five-game losing streak because that's on the table tonight, unfortunately. Um, when was the last winless road trip? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I'll look that up while you we'll, – uh, We'll dive into that, talk about the NFC and AFC championship games coming up this weekend. Um, 240 or so, Eric Hasseltine, radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. You can listen to him on the call tonight in Minnesota. I believe 7 p.m. tip, right? Yeah, we're back to normal schedule. Um, 7 p.m. tip in Minneapolis. Uh, but he'll join us at 240 or so. We'll get his thoughts on what's uh, – he's been out there on this road trip. We'll get his thoughts on sort of what's gone awry here for the Grizzlies. So, I beg your pardon, 630. 630 tip right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. 
but Eric Astlein will join us. 3 o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Tiger basketball played last night. Got a nice win over SMU. Uh, they go on the road to play Tulsa Sunday. Uh, so we'll uh, break down all of that in the list. Uh, and then 3.30, we will uh, give you our games of the weekend. What were The games we're most looking forward to this weekend. Got a feeling could be NFL heavy, but we'll see. Maybe maybe Spoiler a college alert. maybe a college basketball game will sneak in there. I don't know. Maybe an NBA game will sneak in there, but most certainly not for me. <laughs> but we will see uh, next hour. But let's start, Jeffrey, with what are we going to be talking about coming out of this weekend, sports wise? And I think we got to start with the Grizzlies. Are we going to be talking about now? They play tonight, and then they're back home Sunday against Indiana. So they return home for a home game against Indiana Sunday. Um, so the question is. Coming out of the weekend, Jeffrey, will we be talking about will we be talking about a five game losing streak, six game losing streak? Will we be talking about a two game winning streak? You know, what is are the Grizzlies about to get back on track? What what are we, what's our gut feeling here? I know they haven't been in town, so it's a little harder to gauge, but it does feel like we're gonna get a A plus effort tonight from the Grizzlies. They're not gonna want to come off this, they're not gonna want to come home winless on this road trip. I think that's the case, although I feel like right now, with this team on the road, I don't feel like I want to use definites. Yeah. Is that fair? Well, yeah. I, I tend to agree that I I think it – I do not think it's likely that they just no-show tonight. I agree with you on that. But this has been a team that's given the Grizzlies problems, especially on the road. Yes. Now, they don't have Carl Anthony Towns, and I think he's – you know, a, a big, pr- a, a big, big prob- part of the problem, if you but will. But the Grizzlies also don't have Steve, Steve Adams. Adams. You're absolutely right, and uh, and perhaps no Desmond Bain. And what we've talked about on this show, he's what questionable. He's questionable now. Typically, when you get downgraded to questionable, I don't know how. It would- There's been no rhythm to it this year. Yeah. Like prescribing a rhythm well, to no, the designation. There's still been rhythm when you get when elevated. you're moving up. When you move up. When you move down, there you're correct that there's been. This feels like there's you know, no trend. It's really. been a tough road trip. They're gonna they're gonna rest them. I bet. And so to me, like that's a very big deal because one thing that we can definitely say is true: when Desmond Bain is not on the floor, this offense really really struggles. Yes, and he was like just in general like. It felt like he was a Timberwolves killer. For sure. Um, but, yeah, no, and not having Maybe him. Maybe not to the Brandon Clark level. Yeah, that's true. But, but yes. You're right. Not, I mean, that essentially would mean, I mean. It felt like he won game six. Well, here's the question. If he doesn't play, will they start Zaire Ooh. coming off of that game he just had? Give him the old bounce back. like Yeah, because, like, like, honestly, he needs to play with Ja. Like, he plays better when he plays with Ja. And so I think they're going to start. It, it's going to be kind of crazy given the kind of – it feels like the most criticism of Zaire's career has probably happened over the last 24 to 48 hours since that Warriors game. I If Desmond doesn't play, I bet you he's starting because Conchar's still in concussion protocol. He's out. I mean, I guess you could start Roddy there, but, like, yeah, you're going to go mean, Roddy from, like, like, out of the rotation. Yeah, I was to, say, that feels – Feels like he'll be back in the rotation tonight if Bain doesn't play. I for do sure. think there's a very important life lesson – for Zaire and really for anyone else that's on the Grizzlies. Do not have your worst game of your career on national television against the Warriors. Because, yeah. and especially, you, even though he can't determine whether or not the game goes down to the wire, like. Well, and if you recall last year, he missed, remember he had a bad game, missed a potential game winner, and he was real distraught. 
and Ja like came out in the post game press conference and said like I'd pass it to him again, like I trust him, and like then the next is that game, the Knicks game. Well, then I think it was the Knicks game is where Zaire then came and played awesome. The next very next game. Yeah, what was the oh it was Philly. Philly. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. And then he went to the garden and yeah. played great and in the garden. But it was on national TV. And that he really like, yeah. and really was never was was it like it was kind of the launching point for his successful second half of the season last year. So are year. you saying to, I'm saying I'm you, saying we saying could be writing tonight, a story tonight. Are you saying tonight we, is this the, could be a Zaire Williams story tonight? The same way that people are gonna use the temple the temple yes. game like the Tulsa game last year? Yes. That they could perhaps yes. do the same? Yes. I think this could be a Zaire Williams story tonight. A narrative night? We could, we, this could be the arc. We, we've got the night? first half of the arc. We've got the down in the dumps part. And now we get, we're going to get the rising up part. Tonight in Minnesota. Can I get some odds on that? <laughs> he's going to watch. Desmond's going to miss the game. He's going to start. He's going to hit a couple threes early, and he's going to be get rolling. Or maybe you get an alley-oop early, get rolling. I just don't love this offense when Des isn't on the floor. <laughs> I mean, if it, yeah, it's so there's much- not a lot. There's there's not a lot of shot creation outside of John Morant. I mean, like this is it, and like the problem becomes it, without Des, especially Dylan they, really tries to assert himself, and sometimes that you know we know how that goes, but like sixty five percent of the time, that's not the greatest thing in the world. Then now there are sometimes. Where Dylan, the shot creator, is a good thing. Like they, they, you know, but like ultimately, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to have to have a big game. Obviously, if if Desmond doesn't, I'm play. glad you went there because that to me, like that's kind of where I think what we need to start seeing is in games without, in games without Desmond, they need to become like Jaron Jackson nights. Yeah, it needs to like I I don't understand why, and maybe it's because like. Steven Adams is so good at it. They don't do it. They don't run a lot of pick and roll with Jaron and Ja. And I do wonder if that's something they should, especially in situations like this, where you're going to go a month without Steven Adams. This might be a night where you, you you go heavy on that. Whether it's pick and pop or pick and roll, like they don't run a lot of actions with Ja and Jaron kind of working together. It's, you know, it's, it's Ja and Steven Adams or it's, Ja, you know, Brandon it, Clark. Yeah, Ja, Brandon Clark. Like, I it's, mean, this is this is my initial reaction to that. I I'm becoming more and more of a believer that when they talk about the whole positionless thing, it's more just lip service and just talking. Because the reality is, when you watch them play, they have very clearly defined roles. Like, mm-hmm. and Jaron does not play the five very much, except on defense. He plays the five on defense a decent amount when they close out, but they don't. Like, especially in situations on the offensive end where if Brandon is in, maybe Brandon's guarding fours on the defensive end, but he's playing essentially the five on the offensive end. And they just they don't do that very much. But I think I think for me, I really want them to start on Des non Desmond Knights to become more Jaron Jackson Knights, because I just think that in the end, I think what the biggest problem without Des is it kills their spacing. And it allows everybody to just pack it in on Ja. Yeah. And so, it makes it so difficult. Um, so I looked it up, though, before the show. So this is, right now, Memphis is on the first four-game losing streak it's been on since they lost four in a row to lose that Jazz series in 2020, 2021, the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Who, to- who told you that off memory? You did. Yeah, thank you. Um, it is. 
I, did, I just thought there might have been another four-game losing streak between then. No, there has not been. This is the first one since then. Wow. And then this would be the first five-game losing streak <laughs> if they lost Jenkins tonight. First, that's since Jenkins' first year. Yes, since since Taylor Jenkins' first year. I believe it's February 20th, 2020 through February 28th, 2020. By the way, also involved a West Coast road trip. Four what? of the five losses were on the road out west. I guess one was at Houston, but in a way it was like Sacramento at Sacramento, and it also it involved it involved now now I know why it involved they were they got they arrived in L.A. on a <laughs> on a Friday or a Thursday night, and then were there they, they played Friday in L.A. then they had Saturday and Sunday off in L.A. and then played Monday in L.A. They were on it's just they didn't <laughs> play games. Now it was during COVID, so maybe it was a little tamer. Uh, back then, or no, no, this was pre-COVID. Yeah, never no, mind. This was the, uh, yeah, but this was rookie year, job. This and was so, before the whole world had changed. This one, yeah. this five-game losing streak makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, and then they lost on the return game home. And I would warn, like, you know, go back through at least through the Taylor Jenkins era, like through the John ja Morant era, when these guys, it's not just the road trip. That first home game back is always tricky too, because they've been on the road and then like. You know, th- think about it. These guys are going to have been on the road like eight, nine days, and then they're going to get home, and there's going to be so much crap they have to deal with at home. Think about, like, what it's like when you get back from being on the road, you know, if you're on vacation for a long time. Those first couple days when you're back are rough. I mean, you, sh- you have to do what my wife does. My wife, like, takes the day off. I can't <laughs> I can't do that. Take- I'm, like, I'm not wired to be that way. Um So that, that Indiana game Sunday could be dangerous, too. Also, in that I regard. mean, just life rule. Flying west to east is always the most miserable. Now, luckily, they're breaking it up because they went from Phoenix to yeah. Minnesota. I can tell you, Minnesota to Memphis. Time zone, yeah. yeah, Minnesota to Memphis isn't a bad flight. I did it uh, several times last during the playoffs last year. It's not bad. Um, it's fine. It's like two and a half, something like that. Yeah, it's like two. There's direct flights from from the airport. Well, everything for them is direct. They charge. Yes, no, but even for like the Correct. media, there was yes. direct flights. Um, but yes, it is a Delta hub, Mark. <laughs> It'll be uh, – I'll be interested. Are we, are we still talking about – Well, this jo- is kind of what I want to talk about on in terms of the Grizzlies. Let's say they lose tonight. And let's say they win whatever. They win – the Pacers on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like a – it's not a six-game losing And they trip. play Portland but Wednesday. It's a, it's a winless road trip. Does it actually mean anything? Because this is a question – I think it comes across like I'm asking it, like saying like, Everything's meaningless. Well, I, I'm not saying that. Like I am trying. This is what has confused me so much this year. I do not know what the value of the regular season is. And here's what here would be the best example I could give. When you look at the West standings and how jumbled they are, how jumbled up they are, particularly what is it, four through twelve? It's like four through twelve are within two or three games. I keep waiting for a lot of these teams. Like for instance, Golden State has stayed in the play-in despite getting healthier, and I keep waiting for these teams to make moves, and the the standings largely reflect kind of what they've been for the last six weeks. Is eventually someone going to make a move? Like, are we going to start seeing separation? Or is it honestly just going to be a situation where teams are just concerned about we've got to get to the postseason in the best health possible? Because that seems to be what is predicating so much of the regular season this year is it is all about getting everybody as healthy as possible, which 
you understand to a degree, but at a certain level, like, are we really going to get to a, a a day in t- like a day in place where it doesn't matter what your seat is? It does like because these things do have to matter at some point, right? Yes. Well, I would say this. To me, if they lose five, let's say they go winless on the on the road trip, I don't think it matters one for like their potential as a playoff team. I don't think like when we get to the playoffs, we're not going to be going. Man, they lost five in a row on right. the way out west, and that's what—that's when I knew they couldn't win a title. Right. Like I don't think uh, maybe you some people are saying that. I there's no way I will say that. Like there's too much time left in the season, too many games left to be played. Like yeah, I get yes. If the NBA finals started uh, tom- uh, tomorrow, yes, I, I think I don't know if they'd win the NBA finals. But <laughs> you're gonna boldly you, you would boldly not make them your favorite. Yeah, but it, it, I I just don't think this changes their potential for their playoff potential. Let's put it that way. Okay. okay. I, I'm with you on that, but there is also an element of like, I'm with you. I don't think that if we get to the, you know, like if we get to the end of this season and it's disappointing or the ending is disappointing, are we a hundred percent sure that like, we're not going to look back and realize, Hey man, when this team went on the road, they mm-hmm. just weren't very good. And maybe at the time we thought it was because, you know, partying and Dylan's birthday and these reasons that I, legitimately believe in but we can also see they are clearly an awesome team at home mm-hmm. like if not league best well I think this was all just a reminder that they've they've they were a flawed team and they are a flawed team just like frankly it feels like everyone in the west this year has like one has like a can, has something can. of a like you know I don't know I don't want to say significant deficiency but a noticeable deficiency. I think you can say the league. Boston's not a perfect team. Like Boston, while Boston, I feel like has the fewest flaws. Mm-hmm. We saw last night, like they they crumbled at home against the Knicks, who I don't think is a legitimate yeah. challenger or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a legitimate thing with Boston of, okay, when they got into the playoffs last year, they put everything on Tatum. And I think it's very obvious at the at by the finals, it had worn on Tatum. Like to the same degree that you have guys with high usage rates in the regular season that typically fall apart, the aka the James Harden. It felt like Tatum over the course of the playoffs, like that became an issue. Well, they still have the exact same setup this year to me. See, and the the bigger question to me and a rookie head coach right now in terms of what this means is because it's happening so close to the trade deadline. My gu- I know some people, I it feels like to me armchair GM Grizzly fans, like the people who who are th- I would say the common fan, some of them I feel like this losing streak has changed their mind in terms of do we need to make a move at the trade deadline? I definitely think it's fair to say that question is getting asked more frequently than just by the internet. I think I think I think average fan that watches games is asking that. Is at more and like like it's a reasonable question. I'm Correct. not like poo pooing no, no, that neither, question at and all. Neither of us are pointing the finger. Uh, like it, it the, what the five game losing streak really in terms of what it means to me it means more people are wondering, hey, does this team need some help? Like does this team this team is this team feels like it's a guy short. You know, like more people are saying that slash wondering that, um, but my gut tells me, and I and frankly, I would say I would, I don't know if I've made up my mind yet whether I think they should make a move or shouldn't make a move, 
But I definitely, I'm definitely more like, not only will they, like, I'm more in the camp. I feel like I'm tilting more towards they could, re- you know, they could really use a guy. Like, as long as you're not giving up too much, like, I would try to, you know, like, I don't know if Danny Green's enough. You know, like, that, so, I'm sort of leaning towards that. But my gut tells me that I don't think this five-game losing streak, like, I think the way Zach Kleiman was thinking before the five-game losing streak is the same way he's thinking, or I shouldn't, I'm talking this into existence, four-game losing streak. I, I did throw out if they lie. That was the premise of the question. But I don't think Kleiman's mind has changed one way or the other. I think that to your to your point, I think they would view it as an overreaction if if a bad week of basketball led them into it. Led them into trade. I think Kleiman went into this thinking, I'm, I want to ride this out. Danny Green's going to be like our trade deadline acquisition this year. I want to get a playoff evaluation on Zaire, a playoff evaluation on Santi, a playoff evaluation on um, on uh, whether it's Roddy or Conchar, whoever. Like, I want to get a playoff ro- evaluation on this roster, and then we'll go from there. Just like we have the past couple seasons. Yeah, I think that's how Kleiman is thinking. No, I, I, and I, I don't think I don't. I think he's still thinking that way. I tend to agree. I think the one aspect of what we're talking about makes it kind of hard to evaluate. We don't know what they know about Danny Green. Yes, but it, the fact that he's coming back in eight months means their doctors are saying this is he's good. Like, no, uh, they I, could very easily keep him out longer. Oh, I'm with you. I just think that because of the way that they. The way that they operate, which is so be it, that's their whole deal. It's going to allow us to speculate, and so when you start speculating, all we're going to have to go on is what we see with Danny Green in games. Well, and I don't think we can just—I don't think it's just coincidence that his debut is coming like a week before the trade deadline. Like I think it's very purposeful that he's playing some games before the trading deadline. I don't think that's a mistake. I don't think just that's just you, happenstance. To give you more information, I don't think that's just happenstance. See, I think the- not to say they're de- they're they're definitely going to trade him or definitely not, but like, I don't think that's a mistake. I, I you you no, could easily have done you. it a week later, two weeks later after the All Star break, but they chose a week before the trade deadline, and I don't think that's. I'm sure his progress, like I'm sure he's good to go progress wise, health wise. But I also think they they went, oh, well, if we can get a look at him before the trade deadline, we should. I think there's an aspect of that, but I don't think it's for the reasons that some people believe it is. I think you're not necessarily doing it to audition Danny Green for other teams. I think you're doing it to see, like, does this work? Yeah. Like, at least least you have some, you know, I don't think three games is enough to determine it, but it's better than no games. I still think the (laughs) – while I can see all of that, I still believe that the biggest like the biggest problem that I see is the type of deal that I think they want to make. I don't know if it's there. I just don't think they're going to find yeah, I don't think the type of player they want is going to be available at a price that they're willing to pay. Like correct. They, like everyone brings up Malik Beasley. I don't see this front office giving up a first round pick for Malik Beasley. And to be honest with you, I'm not even necessarily sure that's like you could poor yeah, could this team use poor Malik logic. Beasley? Yes, they could. Sure, well, but here's the question: like, it, ultimately, if you if you lottery protect the first round pick, is that so bad? Like, now this team has hit on 
you know. I think they would honestly weirdly 18 tell you. plus whatever picks, you know, like. Well, I, again, this is, I know it's not Monday and I'm not overreacting, but I do think it's, this is just something to throw out into the ether. Feels like this team's a lot better at picking at 30 than they are at 10. <laughs> well, I mean, the reality is they've moved up and in every way, like, draft. I, to be clear, I kind of liked at 10 they took a swing. Like, they went a little bit more high-risk, high-reward. Well, you've seen in every draft. they've Every draft, they, whether it was picking Brandon Clark or Desmond Bain or Xavier Tillman or Z- Zaire Williams or this year Roddy and LaRavia, every one of those picks, Santi, every one of those picks they've moved up. And it feels like they hit for sure on Clark and Bain. Okay. It feels like. Especially given the position they were drafted in. It feels like jury's still out on Zaire very much so. And even Santi, even though he's played well so far. Like, you're getting encouraging returns on Santi, but I still think it's an incomplete in terms of. But it I, certainly I, seems I, like you may have hit it on another one with him. But see, this, but it's too I guess, early. I guess this is how I would say it. I think it's too early on Zaire and on Santi. Mm-hmm. But if you made me guess right now, like You'd you got Santi, I would say they hit on Santi and they didn't on Zaire. Um, and then it's obviously too early on Roddy and Laravia, although it does feel like Roddy has certainly had the better rookie year. No question. I think that's fair. I. I would also like to point out, I'm not sure how much of it just stems from Roddy gets more playing time because it seems like they put him in different positions. Yeah, but I think he gets more playing time. Like, I think if LaRavia was, they felt was ready, he'd be getting more opportunities than he is. I'm not saying he'd be a regular See, I in the rotation. I, I, think I think they've got him at the four and it's more crowded there. That's what I'm saying. They They felt like they have to play him at the four. Like, he is not able right now to play the three at an NBA level. I think that's the problem. I mean, and, like, maybe, if they can't I, I solve think, that, see, it's going to be I a problem. I think it's a framing issue. I think they view him as a four. Mm. Like, that's the that, that's what they see him as. And, yeah. I mean, he played – remember, he's playing semi-regularly at the beginning of the year for, like, the first Jeremy's ten games. Yeah. Um, so, that'll be – all right. Are we going to be talking about – these NFL championship games. Well, we are. The question is, are we talking? Are they going to be good? Are, we, this, are these going to be great games? Here's the question for me on Monday. Are we going to be looking forward to the Super Bowl? Well, I think no matter. I think we're going to have a decent Super Bowl on paper no matter who wins this weekend. I'm more concerned about, does do we get a nice little shootout between Burrow and Mahomes? It doesn't have to be like 40 or whatever. I just want to see. I want to see in the second half those two having to duel it out on the field. Um, and, and then, you know, I think Eagles Niners also has the potential to be a, you know, a really good game. It does. It also feels low to me. If you tell me one game's a good game and the other game's a blowout, I'm picking the NFC championship game as a blowout. Yes. And honestly, I can see it being blown out either way, Mm -hmm. weirdly. And then I just don't really know at this point, like we've seen, we've seen Kansas city and. Cincinnati played three times with Burrow versus Mahomes, and it's been basically a field goal game every time. So it's yeah. almost like, okay, well, that kind of suggests to me that those games are just going to be that game's just going to be close. Mm-hmm. But I can like I can foresee the Eagles doing what they you know the Eagles in the NFC Championship game just blowing people out because they've dumped, we've seen them do that. But I can also see where game script gets away from Philly. San Francisco's able to run the ball. San Francisco's defense starts flying around. 
and then Philly feels like they're chasing the whole game, that's not how they want to play. Yeah. But yeah, what's your ideal Super Bowl in your mind? Is it Eagles Chiefs? The thing it's Bengals Chiefs for me. Well, Bengals Chiefs is playing. I'm sorry, Bing, I'm sorry, Bengals Niners for me. Bengals Niners. Yes, I was a rematch of what was Super like, Bowl no, was that? 1980 something. 89 maybe. Yeah, but Super Bowls go by number by the Not anymore. Nobody really? remembers them. No they, one remembers we, them. We, we, they, it used to I will they say they screwed it, used, it up. They screwed it up when they wanted to do the 50 and <laughs> they wanted to do 5-0. Mm. Because they were the NFL, like not well, it wasn't it XL well, though. Yeah, no, nah, but I remember they did like the gold five zero at every fifty yard line. Here is the other thing that they started screwing up: the logo started Super Bowl twenty three in nineteen eighty nine was uh, January twenty second nineteen eighty nine was I, when the, I, I said eighty nine. Yeah, but no, but January twenty second is when the Super Bowl happened. Yeah, back before they were played in February. Here is the other problem. The logos got worse. Remember when we were growing up, the logo would have something to do with the city. You know, in San Diego, they put the light tower in the logo mm-hmm. with the the number the desert imagery yeah. for Phoenix. The but then like the last ten to fifteen years, the logos got so corporatized. I, I will say this twenty Super Bowl twenty three logo kind of boring. It's just the numbers. It really well that and means some triangles. Probably, it was like where pre, was it, it might have been pre photo. You know, pre did. Adobe, whatever uh, era it was in Miami. Was it? It was. It was at the stadium. Orange, Orange Bowl or uh, Jack Robbie, Joe Robbie, whatever. Yeah, it was at. It was, and it was called Joe Robbie back then. Um, it was a good Super Bowl. It was a close Super Bowl, I should say. Niners win twenty to sixteen. Um, I want to say that's the Super Bowl they came back and won. They did. in the fourth quarter, right? Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, See, I think the Super Bowl logos kind of peaked. You know, who sang the anthem that year. In 89? Yeah. So Whitney Houston was not, that was L.A., whatever, that was the Rose Bowl. So this is interesting. This is this is, this is is like a, basically probably the last kind of, one of the last Super Bowls of its era. So we had the national anthem singer was far bigger deal than the halftime performer. Billy Joel sang the national anthem that year, and then the halftime show was something called Bebop Bamboozled South Florida Area Dancers and Performers Including Elvis Presto, an Elvis impersonator, yeah, and 3D effects. Yeah, so I don't. <laughs> oh God, I, that was that late. Eighty nine yeah. 3D effects. It's like Terminator One, three, Terminator Two, maybe Terminator One. Yeah, Eighty nine, yeah. I think Terminator Two was the early nineties. Like, yeah, yeah. Terminator One. It's like Terminator One graphics. This is like Lucasfilm before they had figured out computers. Mm-hmm. But the the Super Bowl halftime show didn't become a bigger deal until, like, I feel like that was kind of like an early to mid-90s thing. Like, they originally yeah. tried to make it a big deal with Michael Jackson. But then they kind of, like, then they decided, then Pepsi got involved and Pepsi tried to make and it Pepsi hip. Pepsi jacked it up. Yeah, they tried to make it hip. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, the, when the Super Bowl first started out, they were just marching bands. I just don't. Is it possible? I guess because he's Mahomes, and so there's the possibility of of the greatness. Right now. I just find the Chiefs. I find the Chiefs trying to go for another Super Bowl kind of boring. Yeah, I think you're right. Although, but Mahomes being Mahomes ultimately spices it, anything Chiefs related up because See, he is such a dynamic quarterback. I personally here's the here's I know the, people are a little getting a little bored. I guess no, no, of the but, Chiefs. But he is 
he is special to watch. And he, we kind of do a disservice to him in which it's almost like, remember when like peak of the pandemic, we would just finish everything. Hey, stay safe out there. Like, it's almost like you use the same refrain with Patrick Mahomes. Like, oh, he's great. And you move on. But we don't really like well, watch th- and appreciate it like we should. Well, here's what I say. I think this is going to be good for him because I think coming out of this, no matter the result, it is going. I think I think Mahomes and Burrow are now are now starting to elevate themselves to the Manning Brady level in terms yeah, but, of. But there's a there's a part of this is why I think this and is like, this would Mahomes be Mahomes having a rival is going to be good for him. Right, but if Mahomes loses, no, is I it get really it. a rivalry? No, yes, it is a hundred percent. He would be zero and four. Yeah, I know, but like you're looking at it like that. Mahomes is the most popular player in the NFL. Okay, but here's here's where I would tell you though this is the this is the risk. Mm-hmm. If if Burrow goes and beats him 4-0, Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in that's on the fine, but, but it still it, makes it a rivalry, right? But here's the worst part though: you start becoming oh, you're Mister Regular Season. No, no, he might be the Peyton Manning of the duo. Right. And no, I agree, saying. but like the Brady Manning storyline drove the NFL for years, and I think these two can be the same thing. You might be right that that Mahomes is ultimately the Manning in this comparison. Peyton Manning, the guy who puts up the gaudy stats. Well, one guy's been to the AFC win. title game once, and he's one and one or one and zero. Oh, the other one. I mean, I'm just saying. I think there's the potential here for a nice. I think it's going to elevate Mahomes. Well, I, you I don't mean, respect Burrow. I think enough. the Chiefs are winning this game. I do not. Oh really? But I also am concerned that the Bengals feel very public. I don't like. I don't like Burrowhead Stadium. I don't like that. That's bad juju. I don't like that. I don't like that the DBs did that. That has nothing to do with Joe. I know. No, but I'm not. I'm not saying Joe's going to play bad. I just think the Chiefs are going to win. But uh, Burrowhead Stadium is way less. Willie Gay saying the Bengals' offense like is nothing. That's way yeah, worse. Yeah, but it was than in Burrowhead. response. They did the first. They did the first dart. Eh, I'd say the NFL threw the first dart by releasing the footage. And I would say, well, no, by saying we're going to sell championship game tickets. That's true. To, too. You know, to that's true. They have that motivation. So, but they, that was for last game. I feel like they can't use that again. I just feel like we really we need to take a look back and realize part of the reason why we didn't put the Bengals in their proper appropriate context is because they lost two games to start the season. Like we yeah. went very dumb football brain. I don't think anymore though. Now that they beat the Bills, I think everyone sort of sees them as yeah, they, they could they, they could very easily be in the Super they Bowl. They had won again. ten games in a row before that, and no, we were and we were just kind of like, yeah, but, I don't know, like whatever. It's fair. I think I think it's going to be Chiefs Eagles. That's that's the Super Bowl we're getting. I don't want to live on on a planet where Nick Sirianni is a Super Bowl winning coach. I think it's I. Think- I I can't remember. This has been a while since I've had a head coach. Oh, I hated this. Oh, much. I will say, if you believe in like narratives, all this pushback we're getting to the NFL trying to do the neutral site championship games, mm-hmm. it would be fitting if a visiting team was in the Super Bowl. So you could point to like, well, especially it Cincinnati, you know, like, well, especially if Cincinnati were the one to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think there's some now, symmetry I, there. If I can't get the Bengals in, I do want Chiefs Niners because I want Andy Reid versus the guy that I think's new Andy Reid. Mm. Like, I think everything Kyle does from a scheme, every, like, running an offense, I think he's brilliant. I think Kyle's very bad at, like, being a head coach. Mm. Like, not very bad, but just not as good, not 
not championship not, quality game he does manager. Not, his timeout situation. Yeah. He's not great with timeouts. Not a championship quality. Not a game great manager. clock management guy. Yeah. No, no, that's he's deficient in an area where most most head coaches are pretty good at that stuff. They're bad at other stuff like scheming it up or whatever, hiring the right assistants, whatever. Especially They're, when you can literally you can do what Nate Hackett did. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to work the clock. Just hire a guy yeah. to stand behind you. And be like timeout. Yeah. But, uh, Maybe play a little Madden here. No, there. I think there's a good comparison there. So it should be a fun weekend of football. We'll we'll dive back into it next hour when we give you our games of the weekend. I think I know one of Jeffrey's. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, Eric Hasseltine's going to join us next. He's out in Minneapolis where the Grizzlies are getting ready to take on the Timberwolves, try and snap this four-game losing streak. We'll get his thoughts on what's gone uh, wrong on this West Coast trip and get his thoughts on tonight's game. You're listening to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. The Memphis Grizzlies take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Capping off this five-game road trip, you can hear it tonight right here on 92.9 FM ESPN at 6.30 with Eric. Pre-game will start at 6 p.m. Eric, what's the proper way to frame this road trip? Disappointing. Um, you know, not panic alarms by any stretch of the imagination. You're still in the second spot in the West, and you're two and a half games out, but missed opportunities to um, to catch uh, to catch the Nuggets, and so um, you know a little bit of everything. You know, it's 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 basically been a, a tale of really just two games where you had a chance to win the ball game and you didn't. You know, you didn't do it. You didn't get it done in Los Angeles. And anybody that thinks this Shannon Sharp thing had anything to do with the outcome of that game, I, I just don't buy it. I mean, the the Lakers in that game, I thought, did what veterans team what veteran teams do to younger teams that are up and coming. They pushed them, they they attacked, they tried to slow the game down by drawing fouls, and and the Grizzlies just didn't respond. And you know, Desmond Baines got the ball in his hands, and it, it just the play wasn't executed the way it could have been, and it wasn't just by sure you know, ignorance or anything like that. They just, they unfortunately didn't execute. You know, Desmond Bain gets fouled. He makes those two free throws. The game's over. Instead, he didn't realize that the spacing was what it was, I guess. And, and someone snuck up behind him. I think it was Dennis Schroeder and, and cleanly hit the ball out. They get the basket the other way and you don't, you don't win the game. Um, you missed an offensive rebound in that one. And then you go to the, you know, the Phoenix game, you came out a little flat. If you play the whole game, like the, Second half, you probably run right by those guys. Sacramento, kind of to be expected. They were rested. You weren't. You ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. They still, after Sacramento was just, you know, ridiculously on fire early on. Um, they uh, they were able to take the lead in that in that third quarter and kind of seemed like when they took the lead, they kind of felt like, okay, now we're in our groove. And Sacramento kicked it up another notch, which is what teams will do. And Sacramento was a good team this year. And so I, I understood that one. And then the Golden State one, I just think that um, I don't know if it was Curry getting ejected or whatnot, but, you know, and it's frustrating to read the two-minute report and everybody's talking about that, how yeah. they claimed it was an illegal screen, which it was, and that happens all night long with those guys because you know, the referees just don't, for whatever reason, you know, don't really call that very often on Draymond Green. I saw it multiple times. And I'm like, how do you let that guy get away with that? And then how do you let him get away with continuing to – bark at you, but that's their job, and that's it. If that's how they want to call it, that's fine. You still got to play. No, we, we made the I joke. Thought, it's like the offensive tackle that knows he's overmatched, and yeah. he's just going to hold on every single play. 
knowing yeah, that yeah, they're yeah. gonna th- they're gonna throw a flag, uh, m- probably more than more than you would expect, but they're not gonna throw the flag every time. That's and that's exactly what we said. He's gonna set the illegal screen every time, and you're not gonna call it on him. Yeah, five times in a game, you're just not. It's just not gonna happen because then. Uh, it's just kind of the – well, then you feel like you're impacting the game another way. So, again, missed opportunity. You had the lead. You had the lead going to the fourth quarter. You were playing better basketball. You had an opportunity. Um, and just, you know, look, Golden State's got championship pedigree. The thing that you noticed about the two that you could have won or, or possibly should have won in some people's eyes, both of those teams are, are loaded with guys that have won titles, that have, that have won – that have closed out games. And we still talk about this team and – they're really, really good, but they're still really young. And they're still, you know, there's still a learning curve with this league. And I talked about this with some of the guys from the Warriors afterwards. You know, Steph Curry didn't just show up and start winning titles. It wasn't Clay's second year and third year. They had to go through the growing process. They had to take some lumps in the playoffs. They had to go through stretches like this in a regular season. And it clicked because you learn that, you know, you've got you've to execute and you've got to make plays and missed opportunities. I mean, there's not many games Desmond Bain's going to miss two free throws. There's just not, and he, he missed two in the in the Golden State game. Uh, you know the Lakers game, you missed the opportunities at the foul line, and missing Stephen Adams for the last couple ball games definitely hurts, and, and his absence will be noticed, and that that's part of it too. So yes, a little disappointing, but nothing to just sound all the alarm bells off or anything like that, and go over the overboard with it all. It's just, just they were. They're this, they're that, and I, I keep hearing all the different need to stop talking and play, yada yada yada. And to an extent, that can be true, but you know, if that's what they need to to get themselves going, is that kind of chatter type thing, then you know, then let them let them roll with it. So we'll we'll uh, you know, the guy tonight will be interesting because it is the end of a trip, and you know that guys are ready to get home. It's five degrees here in Minneapolis and sunny, but snowing, and you know, I. You've been on the road forever. Your suitcase is now filled with dirty clothes where a week ago was or eight days ago it was filled with clean clothes. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. What was, what was it on Sunday in Phoenix? It was, uh, 66. I mean, yeah, cry me, cry me a river hassle time. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not. Hey, look, you're not, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. We got in here late last night. Uh, it was cold last night walking to dinner. It was cold today walking out to lunch, a little wind blast. But, no, no, for the most part, the weather on this trip has been fantastic. And uh, San Francisco was even nice. Sacramento was nice. It was a little chillier. But still, you know, it, it, you're never going to hear me complain because there's one way to avoid it. Just stay in your room. <laughs> That's fine. I'm looking right at Target Field right now where the Twins will, you know, open up their 2023 season in about two or three months. So, um no, that, there's all the talk that, you know, end of road trips guys go in there. you, you got to be a pro. I mean, look, you, you got 82 games, 82 nights a year on your schedule. There's going to be times where your body's sore, your legs are tired, and the schedule gets you. It happens to everybody. Uh, it's why nobody wins, you know, barely anybody ever wins 70 games, only two teams in history. And usually if you get to 64 or 65, that is a remarkable season. So um, it's a tough league. It's a, a league full of pros, and you got to be pro to because this Minnesota team is looking right at you with another benchmark-type situation. And I think, again, that's another thing that the Grizzlies have to continue to realize is that they are a benchmark win team. Like when you go into somebody else's building, 
when they beat you, if they beat you, they can tell their fans, hey, we just beat one of the best in the West. We're, we're actually really good. That's how opponents are looking at you now. So the, this is kind of where I struggle because I'm with you in terms of if you really apply context, as much as you don't want it to be true, this, this road trip and how it went makes sense in, in terms of how it, how it, it turned out. The only right. concern, though, that I have is one of the things that has cost them, I think, at least two games has been at the free throw line. Yes. And this team has been the worst free throw shooting team in the league, and yes. that's even beyond Steven Adams. Like, obviously, Steve-O is probably contributing the most to the cause. Sure. But they've been a poor free throw shooting team in general. I guess the only concern that I have is, like, I don't know, can that can that really drastically change? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's kind of yeah, tough to go from the worst. Well, again, I think Stephen Adams has the big hand in that, as you said, because you look at your your starters: Jaws seventy four point three right now, Dylan seventy eight point seven, Des. Um, uh, I think he's I, now I in the eighties, isn't he? Yeah, he dropped because he missed the two. Um, so yeah, those are it's there, and um, you know, look. But you look at the other guys, and Zaire's hasn't taken enough. Tyus has finally gotten his up to 80. Um, you know, your, your starters are good. Jaron's above 75. I think he's pushing towards 80 at 78. It's Adams at 36. It, you know, Brandon was, is at 72. Santi's at 70. It's, those are the guys that have to tick it up. So can it tick up? Yeah. You know, the Adams situation, if you're an opposing coach and you look at that, and they do, what what's hey okay all right yeah go you know go get your go get your uh, your foul there and, and make that guy earn too rather than have him dunk on you and you know it's it's a wild deal because we wa- I watched Steven and I'm just like okay um, how on earth can uh, can you look so normal with it and the the release and the form every, every, everything seem okay and the ball just won't go in. I mean, is it the size of the of his hands? What's the logic behind? And it frustrates him too. But yeah, in, in certain games, it comes up and bites you. Now, let's be honest; they've won a couple of games where they've been very good from the line, where yeah. everybody was good, and that's helped them do that too. So, um, yeah, you got to mark improvement because you're now, you know, pushing 50 games into the season. It, it's not a fluke if you're the the 30th best free throw shooting team the entire year, and that sometimes it's going to cost you. With tonight. Obviously, with with still no towns, is this still the tough matchup that it has been for them? Oh yeah, it'll be tough. I mean, look, Towns is certainly a big factor in what they do. But if you take him out, you're basically the Wolves last year without Towns, but you have Rudy Gobert, and that makes up for the loss of Beverly. But McDaniel, Jade McDaniel's has been really good. Um, Edwards is continuing to get better every night. Um, you know, I watch this team, and, and you wonder like why it doesn't click. What's, what's there's chemistry issues seemingly with them, and uh, everybody says that, but they, they're good. They're they're talented. D'Angelo Russell can score. Russell can score. McDaniel's can play. They can go deep into the bench and and get some guys out. Nas Reed is playing really well. So yeah, it's a it's a tough matchup. It certainly behooves them to have Carl Anthony Towns healthy at some point this year. But right now, that's you know the way the league goes, and you gotta you gotta fight through those things. But I, I wasn't a huge fan of the trade for Gobert in the aspect of 
his biggest gripes in Utah was he didn't feel like he was part of the offense. Well, where do you think you're going to be part of the offense here? You got Edwards, Russell, and Towns, and you're, you're not better offensively than any of those guys. So I thought it was an interesting move, but, you know, they, they rolled the dice on something like that, and it, it just hasn't panned out the way they thought it would. Um, but that doesn't mean that that can't click and catch fire towards the end of the end of the season either. We've seen that with a, a lot of other teams where they've added a big-time player and it took a little while to really f- figure out the the chemistry things there. And, you know, that's what Chris Finch and his staff have to do. We'll see how it goes. But, yeah, tonight's tough, and um, not just because you're at the end of a trip, but because you're playing a good team. And there, there's no off nights in the West, man. There's, yeah, San Antonio and Houston are at the bottom, and it's pretty clear they're doing what they're doing. Everybody else, 13 on up, has a shot to, to be playing after the regular season ends. And uh, they all know it. And so these guys are these guys are fighting right now. If it ended today, they'd be in uh, one of the playing tournament games. But, uh, you know, two weeks from now, if they have a bad couple of weeks, they, you could be on the outside looking in with a lot of work to do. So, like I said, a benchmark win, you can really kind of build off beating a team that, that's near the top of the standings like the Grizzlies are. And then you know that the Wolves are going to bring their A game. It is uh, interesting. Michael Pina over at the uh, Ringer did an interesting story today. Um, Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert, uh, they very rarely run pick and rolls together. Effectively, yeah. I guess, is the best way to put it, um, which seems to be a big problem. Apparently, Gobert all season has taken eight shots after setting a ball screen for Anthony Edwards. all The entire <laughs> season. So far, eight shot attempts. So that it 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 is not nece- it has not been a great fit. But as you put it, they are getting by. I'm curious. I want to get your thoughts on Zaire Williams because obviously he had a uh, pretty nightmarish game the other day, yeah. and he might. You know, Desmond Bain is questionable in this one, and we were talking about in the open a- as bad as he played in the last game. My gut tells me he probably starts, uh, especially with John Conchar out, if Bain is not available tonight. Um, and it kind of goes in line with, remember last year, he had the game against Philly where he misses the game winner, and then Ja kind of gives him a vote of confidence afterwards, and he comes out, I believe, at Madison Square Garden, has a great game, and he kind of you know, it took off from there the rest of the year. At least you know, it, yeah. it set the stage for his encouraging second half of the season. Um, what do you make of where he's at right now? Both, you know, macro sense and coming off what was a you know pretty nightmarish performance against Golden State. Yeah, it was just one of those rough nights guys will have. He got great looks. He didn't make any of them, and missed a couple alley oops he normally gets. Um, and, and he took it to heart. You could see it, it. It really affected him because he wants to help this team. And then I. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.